Welcome to the Timitit Podcast, where we have stimulating and all-inspired conversations with thinkers, dreamers, makers, movers, and trailblazers. In this episode, I speak to Dudu, innovator, thought leader, and chief inspiration officer on waste management and environmental-related matters. In our conversation, Dudu shares her career journey as well as involvements that have brought her thus far. She also shares some ideas and the perspectives on hygiene, sustainable innovation, and on the environment. Dudu is passionate about the environment and asserts that, quote, we've borrowed it from our children, end of quote. And we need to be responsible in our behavior and practices, especially in regard to waste management. She also shares on some of the world-leading innovations and work in their line of business. Yeah. So when yeah. I hear that a child has fell into my yeah, heart, no, I, like yeah, sometimes yeah. I'm even ashamed to say, you know, I was part of the process where one of the things that we did was to accelerate service delivery, you understand, um, with regards to rural sanitation, you understand. And that is yeah. where Tim, I started having the heart of coming up with the concept of sustainable innovation, you know, yeah. sustainable waste management practices. That's when I, I got into a lot of education around the area. That, in a nutshell, I fell in love with the earth and what the earth was giving us. Our landfill sites are getting full. Look, this is what we are experiencing. Uh, uh, um, air quality is, is, is dropping. This and that yeah. and that. But they we're yeah. identifying a whole lot of problems that were attributed to unsustainable waste management practices, right? Then we said, okay, we know. So this is the unique. This is how, what is unique about us. Why says to do everything boils down to human nature. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen to and that. That's probably yes. number one. Favorite, favorite topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Join us for this and more in our conversation. Obviously, I think the first time I met you, you really made a very strong impression. And I think the yeah, chief inspiration officer came in right there, you know, and it was like, yep, this is it, it's done. You know, chief inspiration officer is here. And I really just loved your energy. You know, obviously, I mean... Um, you have presence, that's for sure. <laughs> and you have personality. And definitely you have the gift of the gab. You know, you can really, really speak very well. You're very well spoken. So those are my recollections. Now, I don't really remember where. So maybe that's why I asked that question so that you keep me honest because you might remember more details than myself. So there you go. It's over to you. <laughs> I'll also try I remember Aguayi telling me about about this guy, Tim, um, that he met um, through a friend, Prudence. He says, you know, do, um, I've just uh, seen what um, Tim has done for, for Prudence in terms of the website and just the whole branding image and all that. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And she said to me, so I would, I would, love, for, I would love for us to, to meet uh, Tim because I think he is the guy who can actually capture exactly what it is that you are trying to say or what you're trying to communicate from the website point of view because we had gone through a whole people who were not like getting where we were trying to go. So Kwai and now I, I I do remember we met because our offices were still at Kwai's house. So Yes. Okay. A beautiful first... long time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was at Faye's house. Um, yeah. So at our at our office then, and we were sitting together. I remember it was in Faye's lounge, and we yes. just started hanging and we just started talking. And and I remember you were so calm. You were so like, and I was like, hey, Faye, he looks nervous. What's wrong? <laughs> What do you mean? I said she looks like nervous. What did you say to this guy? He says, No, I, said, I didn't say anything. And you know how guys like you say, Hi, yeah, good to meet you. Do go. That's that's what I was like. Okay, oh, I'm a sell now. I'm gonna say what it is that we do. And I remember that's how we met. And yeah. for me, you just captured everything, and you were like in so much awe of what I was saying, what I was doing, what we're trying to get, yeah. what is it? And you started engaging. And I think yeah. we were like. Wow. Okay. He started asking the right questions, and you know, I think the, our first encounter moved just from you um, wanting to find out about our business, and it became personal. So I remember that day we never got into the business business. Yes, I did speak about what it is that we do, that we're trying to do. But I think we connected spiritually. Yeah, more than anything else, you know, we we started with the spirit and then emotion, then work came after, you know, because yeah, are these yeah. ladies who are so passionate about God, who are in this business, and just life spoke about myself, why spoke about herself, you spoke about yourself, and that's when the connection uh, uh, started happening, and that is the first day you called me a chief inspiration officer for the yes, world. Exactly, you know, that name stack. I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> you were like. Oh my God, you were my chief inspiration officer, and I have never even heard that before. I said, Oh my goodness, oh, this guy, wow. <laughs> so that's how we met. That's how I remember it. And look at your recollection. It's such a concise, clear, and again, with your gifts shining through in terms of just being very articulate. And obviously, I really, really, um, it was such a pleasure meeting you. Uh, obviously, coming from a consulting background myself and having been in tech, and then I, I think I, there was just the beauty of the fact that, as you said, we connected spiritually. And you're somebody I would consider a dreamer because you you could paint big picture without really, with you know, you could almost you painted the big picture, carried you know my me along, and or at least uh, I've seen you also do that in with with people you're engaging with. You know, carry them along for them to see that vision, but equally also almost begin to conceptualize where they should plug in and where should they should play. And I really found that to be a very, very, such a phenomenal gift to be able to articulate and communicate a dream, an idea, in a way that was inspiring, fresh, and with a lot of just beautiful concepts in, embedded in there. So, like, I think in another way, I would say you're a conceptual genius. I use that from time to time to sound sophisticated, you know. <laughs> Uh, so, so thanks, Tim. So next to the chief inspiration officer, now I'm a conceptual genius. Okay. Yes, conceptual genius. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. No, and rightfully so, because you're able to really, it, because remember, it's a world. I mean, there there are three levels of engagement. We're either discussing ideas, which is the highest level, and obviously higher abstract concepts, things like that, you know, and or we are discussing people, which you know, many people kind of get stuck in that, or we discussing things, which oh, how's the weather today? And I don't know how energizing those conversations are about the weather, you know, often they are not. <laughs> So, so, so I think that's the recollection of how we met. And I think obviously I was really, really impressed about what you guys were trying to do 
And I think in this conversation, I am curious to hear your reflections on that just down the line. But maybe to start with, on the aspect of partnership, you know, uh, I don't know what your thoughts are, because, again, what you had really required some very s- strong ecosystem and partnership, you know, to be able to make it and to pull it off, because it was Greenfields, it was AG, it was cutting edge. I don't know, how, what are your reflections in terms of, you know, the importance of partnership, for example, to get an idea off the ground and to get it to, you know, gain momentum? No, I think I think um, partnerships are, are quite critical, especially in the context of uh, the ecosystem. So, when you take what it is that we wanted to do and 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 bring it into the world, one thing that we knew from the onset, and I knew from the onset, was the power of collaboration. You understand? Mm-hmm. So, as as we started to build this this module. The, the essence of partnerships and the ecosystems became very critical. So central to our strategy as an organization was collaboration. You understand? Mm, yeah. So we, we were these two girls who were innovative. And, 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 and let me just make it a little bit personal. So yes. why is, is, is more of a, of a human, has got a, a human touch to everything, is more transformational, more change, you know, more natural, you know. Um, yeah, and, the and, person. And more you know, we love you, Pai, if you're listening. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I am more technical, so I develop, yeah. I think I'm systematic, you know, and why yeah. loves people and I love the environment. And I think yeah. what made this partnership so unique was to come and say, okay, so in the context of waste and what it is that we do, how can we make it successful? So even before we could even develop a strategy to collaborate and the partnership started to inform it. So from the values perspective, we kind of have the same values. And and that is the question we get asked most of the time. How do you resolve something? How is it that you've been a, a, a partners for such a long time and all that? I think it starts with the values. We decided we are going to be a values-based organization. We share the same values, but I think what made us unique was truly uh, bringing two unlikely partnerships together to give back to holistic approach, uh, waste technologies, and exactly what it is that we do. You understand? So how can that what, begin by? That? I, because I think you have the backstory in terms of how the whole. Because again, I, I love the, and that's why probably that's really got me got me excited. Two girls, almost. Different, but but similar in terms of values, as you've started, you know, kind of stitched together. Very relevant in terms of where we were stepping into, and and quite ahead of the curve. And also a space that mostly you don't find women stepping into and really, really taking territory. So I don't know. Just give us a bit of a backstory and maybe stitch it for us so that we can understand where it all began and the thinking of what you guys yeah. were trying to do. Yeah. <sighs> So, okay, so I'll start. Um, so Kwai and I met at work. So we worked together at Utingo. It was the first um, national lottery company that administrated the lotto in South Africa. So mm-hmm. uh, even then, <laughs> uh, Kwai found me there. She came as a, as a, I think it was a retailer training manager, and I was an accreditation coordinator. So we clicked from there, you know. Mm. But with 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 Kwai, with with her social, she started seeing something more and something, you know, of value in me. So we started a friendship there. Understand? So, um, 
also from a spiritual perspective, we're connected immediately because, oh, here's a lover of Jesus. I am a lover of Jesus. And we're just mm-hmm. connected. And even our impact was felt even at work at that time. You understand? We, yeah. we, we, we walked the talk and, and, and I think that's when the, the relationship started. However, I got to a point when I, where I was feeling just a little bit redundant and I said to Kwai, look, I'm leaving. So Kwai and I are also passionate about food. And I said, okay, listen, I'm leaving. I'm going to, 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 to resign and I'm going to study a, 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 chef, a chef, to become a chef because Kwai and I wanted to open a business in the catering. <laughs> Where is the food? I was about to ask you, where is the food? I'm waiting for this food. <laughs> no, it's coming. And then I said, okay, do go and do the training and we will open this company. We are going to train um, domestic workers. You know, we, we, we are going to open a restaurant, a bistro. We just had ideas. We're going to start this catering company. And mind you, it was that time when everybody was starting a, a company. It's either construction, catering. So we were all there. And, mm. um, True to true to God, I went to school. I went to study uh, uh, chefing, and we studied a little bit of of, of catering. We, we we actually formed a company called Scrum Chairs Ideas, and that is the company now that is. You know, with everything business becoming hard, why stay behind? And obviously now the the. the Utingo uh, had just served their first seven years, so their license were not renewed. So Kwai had to also go back home. So in that, while pursuing my 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 career to become this a uh, great uh, chef and catering and um, culinary uh, expert, my sister was like knocking at my back. Please go and find a job. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Because obviously she had to take care of me when when I was studying, and obviously I had needs and everything. And you know, my sister was very very good, and she said to me, "Look, you can get any job that you want. For now, you just go just go raise funds for this business and then come back." True, true. I went and I looked for a job, and uh, you know, you know, God, God is just God deals with us in other ways. So I got a, a job at this company as um as a consultant, you know. And mm-hmm. when I got there, I was raw, I was fresh out of chef school, out of teaching a corporate. Now I'm getting into consulting world and I'm asked to become a project coordinator for this huge project that we had. I knew nothing about this, this, this industry, energy, you know, all these things. And when I was yeah. interviewed, apparently my boss was like, Oh, this girl is powerful. And I'm thinking, huh? Amen. Come and start tomorrow. I was like, tomorrow? Okay. So I, I, I was so lost, but I got there, I thrived, you know? And I think it was a six-month contract. I was hired for six months. And my fifth month, they said, no, uh, we can't let you go. There's another project with UNISA. We need your help. Oh, yeah. then I'm continuing to. There, I moved from a project coordinator to a junior project manager. And it was to uh, assist um, UNISA, UNISA to implement their integrated performance management system. So I had to bring all that together and ensure yeah. that it was done. And true to God, you know, um, I got the same results. You know, people are going, wow. You know, I mean, Tim, coming from a, a corporate way, it was just lotto way, it was formal. I'm coming now, having to use my brain, having to think, yeah, yeah. having to make sure that everything is done according to how it's done. I'm supporting 
academics, professors, you know, I'm, I'm just, it's just beautiful. And I just got such a good, a good, um, welcome. And I, and my, I remember my boss asking me, so do, how, how, how did you get it right? I said, I think <laughs> it's all down to relationships and language. Yeah. I said, I don't speak English when I get there. We just speak our normal vernacular language. I ask them, we sit, we talk. And the more I, I found that, that I relaxed with them, the more I made them to see that I don't know exactly what it is that you are doing. What is it that you are trying to achieve? That is how I could pick up where the problems are. And I would bring them to you, clever people here. Then you come up with solutions. <laughs> and that led me to my that promotion in the company. So which was a game changer. We yeah. were, um, uh, they just won an, a, a contract for the Department of Water and Affairs, Water, Water Affairs and Forestry at that time, Dwarf Years. And uh, it was a huge contract because we were tasked in accelerating service delivery in rural sanitation. So mm-hmm. which means removal of bucket systems, you know, looking at backlogs, you know, uh, uh, is, do we have appropriate infrastructure? Keep coming up with the strategy of actually how to do that, right? And my my boss uh, uh, said, "Oh, I have other associates. No, I can give you to do. You know, uh, this girl. <laughs> and at that time, I don't even have an inch of confidence because I'm thinking these are all coincidences, and I think I'm yeah. being pushed into this thing too quickly. So I was really I was a nervous wreck. So my first, then they said, okay, Dudu, we are going to give you Eastern Cape and KwaZulu Natal. And I was like, cool, it's okay. So I remember my first meeting, Tim, I felt so intimidated because I said in that meeting, people are talking about water, they are talking about sanitation. It was like French. So just mm-hmm. like uh, Girl. You know, I'm a lotion girl through and through. I came back home. I googled the entire thing. <laughs> I wanted to be street smart. And I said, the only that I can win this war is to build relationships around these areas. It's just to show my value and that don't impose anything. Because what I've learned at, at UNISA was sometimes the resistance comes when you think you are a consultant and you know and you want to impose my approach was, okay, let's have a conversation over coffee. Let me get to know you, get to know me. Tim, you won't believe how successful that was. So I was supporting the, all the rural uh, uh, um, municipalities in the Eastern Cape, most of the rural uh, municipalities in Guazulu Natal. So when I go to Guazulu Natal, this mm. is, I am pegged. So there started to be a change. There started to be a momentum because... One of the things that my company was struggling with was to actually get that access, actually get that information, you know. And also, it was very political. You know how municipalities are, you know. So I was the yeah. right gender, the right race, and the right age at the time. So I could yeah. interact with anyone. And I remember my greatest support, there was a vendor speaking girl. My background team, I was born in Orlando, so Orlando East in Soweto. So where I was born, it was dominantly Zulu. Yes, Sutu. Soweto. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's dominantly Zulu, Sutu, and uh, Kosa. So I became fluent in those languages at an early age. So when my mom bought a house in Shawela, it was more north. It was Venda and Zonga. 
So at that age, I became fluent in, 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 in Venda and Zonga. So when this girl introduced himself that I'm this, I said, so are you Venda perhaps? She says, yes. I said, okay, me and you can talk Venda. She was so impressed. And we started engaging in that language. I was like, oh, you know, I'm here at the Eastern Cape. I'm always speaking Scottish. For once, I just want to speak uh, Spender. And we just got on. And let me tell you, doors open mm-hmm. through all that. So as they say, the rest is history. But that project was pivotal to me. So I come from Soweto. I, ca- I was born a city girl. You know, I know nothing about anything rural. I got an opportunity to learn rural innovation. I got an opportunity to appreciate what it means to take care of your environment. I understood that as a city girl, I have, I am, I have certain privileges, you know, I have access mm-hmm. other people don't have. And I started to start seeing the world, you know, in another view because my construct was always being township and I'm a Johannesburg girl. And as Sowetans, most you know, you can't tell us anything. We are Sowetans. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you had such a reputation. That was an issue. And when I got there, I remember I came back home from one of my trips and I saw my niece leaving the tap open, you know, in the bathroom. I was mad. I said, you know, people don't have water, this, that, that, that. And I started at home, they were like, OMG, what has happened to this person? So my love for the environment started there. But I mm. had an encounter. One of the things that we, we, we had to do in this project was to identify appropriate in, infrastructure for pit latrines, you know? So yeah. I remember it was in the Eastern Cape. I was there and we were doing, um, uh, what do this call site visits, you know? And I'm yeah. looking at, at this beautiful constructed, uh, 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 toilet. So I walk into that house. I find an old woman very intelligent woman, and I said, how are you, ma? Fine, no, my name is Dudu, I'm from Gauteng, and uh, Pari says, yeah, no, they did say. Then I asked, who built this? Because what she did so well was do a dual system. So, for number one and number two. You understand? So, yeah. and I asked, so, who says, no, I did, who designed it? Okay, how is the water? My goodness, I learned so much from that woman, and I thought, this woman invented this system for herself. I was like, what? He says, no, I asked my, my, my children. I enjoyed this bag. They just bought me material, and this is what I did. And I thought to myself, I can stay here and learn a lot, because now people have become innovative, you know? There's no water. So how do you yeah. make something that is comfortable, something that is dignified? Yeah. So our, our role and our core was to say, how do we then ensure that as we remove these bucket systems, what type of infrastructure, you know, can we replace what, you know? So that was part of what I was doing. And that was part of just information gathering. And I think my yeah. encounter with it, then he's just started showing me an ecosystem, how that waste is used for gas and from the gas it used the water irrigation. I thought to myself, my goodness, you know? It's interesting you're saying this because, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the Bill Gates documentary of reinventing the toilet. And you look at it and it's like, We've been to the moon and back. Mm-hmm. We've sent, you know, we've done so many things that are in quotes phenomenal, but yet they are certain, and especially if we think of where we we sit, you know, in the in, in the spectrum of the world. You know, we are obviously called the developing uh, world, mm-hmm. and you look at South Africa in particular, the challenge of toilets for schools, and then 
obviously, the, even when we try, you know, the toilets that we have in our day uh, that we use, which are not really progressive, very wasteful in terms of water, very wasteful, not efficient at all. There's no value other than the fact that it's just a, it's it's just this thing that drains, you know, resources and takes water and does not give us anything back. And yeah. and and you, it's interesting you you tell. Telling this story because that's that's a big project that um, the likes of big a lot of money and yet there's a lady sitting there who, who was already thinking of the concepts. You know, I don't know what what your thoughts are in terms of this area and how perhaps you know we can make uh, leapfrogs and use innovation and just really you know solve that because again it's obviously quite a, an important area of our existence. You know, you know, Tina, I'm actually still quite passionate about, about this subject, and I just want to bring it from this perspective. So the the time we started this process was in 2007, 2008, nine. We were busy with this project, right? And yeah. the, the, the commitment from the government to do that was just really outstanding. I, let me just give them a tick to even invest money for us to even go and do that work. I'm giving them the tick. So we had a political will at the time to make the difference, right? So mm-hmm. as we are going and we are finding out, we are discovering and we are doing all those things, the, the, the Department of Water Affairs and Forestry was starting to see a shift, you know, more figures. Uh, we were starting to address issues around the backlog and all those things, you understand? But that team has to be progressive. One of the things which were, 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 were a gap for me in retrospect what was that even though we had this, this strategy and this master plan that we developed, um, it was developed from a project perspective, not a program perspective. It was a project within a program and it lacked a sustainability factor. So yeah. one issue is the sustainability factor. The second issue is that when you change government or change leadership, also things, certain things fall through the, the cracks. And yeah. what we had already started there, if somebody had come in and continued, I don't think we would have found ourselves where mm-hmm. we are. Mm. So I can't I can't speak to it because but I'm just saying that a strong sustainability framework is what lacked at that time, right? Yeah. Because we did have a monitoring and evaluation, but that is a that is a, a, a another another discussion and aspect of what it is that we are trying. You can monitor and evaluate from A to B, <laughs> but if you don't yeah. have a sustainability and a, and, and a continuous plan on how to grow and develop, you know. And at yeah. that time, we were also starting to take as that woman how this woman how this woman has thought about a dual system from a hygienic yeah. pe- perspective, from a, 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 a dignity perspective, and yes. all those things. Somebody who is a scientist out there had to take that thing and just develop something and innovate around it. Do you understand? So we had yeah. those opportunities opportunities but we missed them yeah so when yeah. i hear that a child has fell into my yeah, heart no, I, like yeah, sometimes yeah. i'm even ashamed to say you know i was part of the process where one of the things that we did was to accelerate service delivery you understand um with regards to rural sanitation you understand and that is yeah. where i started having the heart 
of coming up with the concept of sustainable innovation, you know, yeah. sustainable waste management practices. That's when I, I got into a lot of education around the area. That, in a nutshell, I fell in love with the earth and what the earth was giving us. Remember, I was yeah. I was born into a concrete jungle of Johannesburg. You understand? Yeah. So I don't know anything outside of Johannesburg. I was born into lights. I was born into a toilet that is already flashing. You understand? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know those things. When I got there, I was like, OMG. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. What is it that we are doing? And in, in yeah. retrospect, in hindsight, hindsight, if I know what I, I if I knew what I know now, I'm sure that I could have been, I was of value, but I could have been of no value. Yeah, yeah. I guess we mm-hmm. learn from the past because I think that somehow that that thread, you know, imagine moving from cooking and all these things to switching over to, you know, um, issues of hygiene and then really, really embedding yourself in terms of where the space that you guys are in, uh, obviously embedding the whole idea around sustainable innovation. I don't know. How does that look like and what are your thoughts in terms of, A, where that space is tracking globally? And where you you feel or think South Africa is, and probably where you think your role is in terms of taking that forward, in terms of your 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 gig, you know what you guys are doing with Kwai, and what you've been thinking, and because there's a lot of thought leadership that you guys have thought, and because obviously I know it's a challenge for the authorities, the city, uh, municipality, and so on to to be able to really manage waste and all these other things, and and I think um, you guys are on that frontier. I don't know, maybe just share your thoughts in terms of sustainable innovation and you know. Uh, and positioning globally and what you guys are doing really in that space. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, for me, uh, Tim, yeah. is that the world advanced in actually, um, you know, not only coming up with sustainable innovation concepts, but to a certain level implement, right? Yeah. But don't, don't crash South Africa yet. One thing I love about our country is that we politics. You understand? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had to go and study the national development plan of where we are going and where we are tracking, where the government wants to see us in 2030. And obviously, one of the issues that jumped out for me was sustainable development, right? So yeah. I started looking into that. Then when the, the world was start calling for sustainable practices in as far as, as environment is concerned, issued around climate change, issued issues around global warming, mm-hmm. those things. I mean, they even said we are going to host the COP17 and we go. So the country was jumping in. You understand? Creating yeah. those, for, uh, formulating those policies and all that. But, but the snag is, you have it there in black and white. Because I remember um, uh, uh, Tim studying, not reading, studying the green economy strategy of South Africa. Mm-hmm. So I said, I remember when Kwai eventually came together studying this company, I said, look here, we are not going to be another waste management company. We are going to provide solutions. You understand? We are going to be... There's a already a framework. There's already some thinking. So it needs people now to execute on the back of that. Exactly. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. I said, we are going to be 
a waste management, a waste management innovation company. We are going to drive innovation, not just innovation, innovation that is sustainable. And at that time, the, the CSIR and the Department of Science and Technology are working on the what they call the research, development, and innovation paper for waste management, right? Mm-hmm. So this speaks to me. I'm like, I'm going to drill this thing. So I read it, I read it, I read it. Ultimately, we developed a model to respond to what the paper was asking the industry to go. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Just to develop an industry plan, it's a situation. <laughs> so you are saying to me, and that is what I say, then then everybody was saying to the municipalities, look, we are separating a clause. Look, our landfill sites are getting full. Look, this is what we are experiencing. Uh, uh, um, air quality is, is, is dropping. This and that yeah. and that. But they were yeah. identifying a whole lot of problems that were attributed to unsustainable waste management practices, right? Then we said, okay, we know. So this is the unique. This is how what is unique about us. Why says to do everything boils down to human nature. Mm-hmm. Yes, amen to and that. That's probably yes. number one favorite, favorite topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, and I said to Kwai, then Kwai says to me, oh, okay, now that we have this. So I was telling how, how we got to the business. So then um, we work, we work, we work, and then the company was then going to be bought by this conglomerate big company as a consulting win for it, right? And mm-hmm. my said, um, I can't, I will not feel okay if you are going to go into corporate because you are going to be stifled. So my boss was a clinical psychologist by profession. So he said to me, I I will be doing you a disservice if I say go and work there because you are Mm -hmm. going to be stifled by red tape and all that. In that context, a friend of mine comes and says, look, I have a a, a guy who's who's running a waste company. They, They, we just need help. I was like, jackpot, I'm there. So this company was the first company to launch the underground bins in South Africa. So come 2010, KMI selling ah, underground those beautiful bins. World Cup, yeah, yes. brilliant concepts, yeah. They're putting underground bins in in the city of Johannesburg, and I remember the CFO of Pick It Up asking me, "Can you give us an implementation plan?" I'm like, "An implementation? No, I'm just selling those bins." <laughs> 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 I'm like, oh my goodness. But you know what? That never left me. So when I went back to the office, I said, what is the value add? So we have brought these multi-million rent machines. What is the And now the lessons learned from the sanitation project combined now with what I am facing. Because yes, we, we have all this infrastructure. Yes, we are putting all these bins and all that. You know, uh, Tim, somebody came Show them the idea. 2010, no one researches mm-hmm. how it's going to work, how it's going to be implemented. They bought. Yeah, and human nature. <laughs> and human nature. <laughs> and I remember, shame, they, they really pushed, you know, and they were functioning for a while. And I think that's when the gaps started coming because who's got the skill, who's got the ability to operate and actually ensure that, you know, they invest, we see the, the, the return on investment of, on this capital infrastructure. That And Johannesburg was beautiful. Then I mm-hmm. had to go to school again and study technology versus, you understand? So if I bring yeah. a technology, is it a technology dump and all those things? 
that's when that's when Kwahi and I came together then to say, let's form this organization. You look at the human capital part. So if I, as I develop these models, your brain will interrogate how we make them sustainable, how people can buy into it, and how they can use them. So in other words, we brought an integrated uh, 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 service. So not just bins, but we will also help you implement. You understand? And we will also help you achieve your objective of reducing waste to landfill sites by this percentage this year, by this percentage. I mean, two consecutive terms, Zuma was in, in power. They kept on saying, the, the goalposts kept on shifting. No, by 2025, instead, the, 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 the landfill sites were actually rising to a point we have literally ran out of landfill sites. We are in a danger zone. So and let's get because obviously as, as, the, as, as people move into cities, and I always say that cities are the new countries, because yes. I mean we live in Gauteng, we're almost like in the country of Gauteng, and specifically the suburbs and the areas where the economics are centered around. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts in terms of, obviously, I mean, there's a whole sustainable, you know, development goals and everything else. And, and I think sustainability is really a, an important thing, because on the other side, there's just the endeavor and the pursuit for profit at whatever cost. But there's a responsibility to, to try to uh, make sure that there's, obviously, I mean, I think we've talked a little bit around the environment. Mm. I don't know, what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, is this something that is winnable, you know, um, from what you guys have put together? Yes, it's probably absolutely amazing. But do you feel there's the right kind of leadership, you know, to be able to see that through? Or what are the ingredients really that would make for success? You know what? <clears throat> I think this is winnable. You've got your technocrats, right? Yeah. You've got the if you if you have political will, technocrats, you it's winnable. You understand? Because it's thrown to you as a challenge. You have written policies yeah. to actually support where you are trying to get to. Mm-hmm. Where is the juncture? So urban development. I'll call it urban development because that, that's, that's what we're talking about. The people in our cities are black and tin. I remember when we started just in our area of when we brought the tricks and everything. It was so funny how people started separating their wasted source because they knew Monday we are collecting paper, this, 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 this. They knew that this thing is happening. And all Kwai and I were doing was just to test our model. Right? Mm-hmm. And if Tim, <laughs> I, so also, look at it from the socio-economic benefits, right? Mm-hmm. We started to say, how do we respond to the triple bottom line? Because that's what you are asking. It's profit, yeah. social, yeah. and environment. Yeah. You understand? So everyone yeah. has a responsibility, right? But yeah. if you don't educate me, I will not know. Because people will tell you, no, I'm throwing I'm throwing this thing uh, on the street because I'm creating employment. <laughs> That's what they say. I I'm creating employment, you know? And you don't mm. understand how that impacts the future of your children. Because clearly yeah. we've borrowed this earth from our kids. We are not yeah. living it. You understand? But yeah. also, let's look at the social context. High yeah. unemployment rate. We have all these things. So when you learn this thing, how does it benefit everybody? And that's what mm-hmm. holistic approach is about. We've crafted the most beautiful concepts around how do you bring people in from a human nature, transform, transform, culture transformation perspective, and the type of technology that you would need to get there. 
So, where is the leadership? Yeah. Is the ecosystem ready? Can we talk about the value chain? Because the value chain says, uh, 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 take, but in point of time, uh, dispose, ne? take and dispose. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we started being told that no, it's the, it's the triple, the triple R. Re, reuse, you understand but yeah. who exactly monitors that who and how do you enforce that it's also quite critical so you mm. need clever you need to engage clever people to say no don't enforce so we have created collaborations and, and, and international partnerships and I'll tell you a very beautiful story Tim right now <laughs> so we went to Italy right because we saw some of the of the of the uh, infrastructure that we felt would be ideal to solve this problem in South Africa right yeah and and I went to Italy and obviously we got there we excited we contact this company mind you everything is self-funded I, I, I'm not a, a black female old entity that has ever gotten a cent everything is self-funded yes self-funded. I think it's important to clarify that because people think yeah okay so yeah you yeah. had the money everything but <laughs> it's so, a dream so chasing we, a dream <laughs> yeah Tim, we go there and uh, obviously we meet the president of the organization. They are quite excited. And you must always understand, people always have perceptions about South Africa. You understand? And what we look like as a country. You understand? And obviously, just like everybody else, they are like, sell us your story. You understand? Yeah. So I we had to sit there and convince them to partner with us and that story had to be compelling. So I started drawing our own IP around their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Seeing that they were taken to Milan to because they also didn't know. So yeah. our model is used in Dubai today, it's used in Milan, it's used in greater parts of Italy and Brazil. Because mm. every day now that they have done the business, they sold it as as to how we pitched it to them. The man said, I'm coming to invest in South Africa. He had never come to South Africa. He came to see the the fertile ground for himself to say, oh my goodness, if these two girls, I I mean, I was producing this infrastructure, but I couldn't connect the dots. They are the ones that connected (laughs) the dots. Yes, yes, yes. Every time they will call us, come Brazil, come see this thing is happening. Milan, see this thing is happening. We are here and we are still waiting. Yeah. You know what I really love because I was privileged to see what you guys put together. You know, so there's the hardware, hardware. And, 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 and you know, we talk about that, uh, you know, if I use my analogy of technology where you have just hardware, you know, or infrastructure. And yeah. then the thinking around that says, look, look, let's package this and put it together as a service, something that can actually be actually, you know, consumed, available, you know, on the go. And people can really, and, and you can just, immediately have a, an impact and address all the all the all the triple bottom lines that, that you were mentioning earlier and and you guys i thought you really articulated a very very strong and clear value proposition and i thought that was really really amazing in terms of being able to take all of this and bring it together to address a very big problem that we you know that we have in, in you know in terms of waste management and and obviously environment and so on you know it's it's so true but you know what tim 
a grand idea can only come from a certain race. That's also what we have picked up with Kwai. Because mm-hmm. at some point we did a presentation in one of the companies and one and they asked us who is our boss. Mm-hmm. So Dudu and Kwai cannot come up with this. Yeah, stereotype, stereotype. Yeah. Stereotype, stereotypes. And I was like, oh my goodness. Even now we have started conversations with municipalities because there's a there's a relationship between Southern and and a region called Reggio Emilia in 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 Italy, and there's a interpartnership interrelations memo, memorandum of understanding. Mm. You know those trade things yeah, between yeah, yeah. yes. And do you know that that municipality was called by the people in Italy to say, look here, holistic approach was here. <laughs> they don't even know you exist and yet you're next door what is happening and then the next thing we get a call from from this municipality rush rush we go there and you know Kwai was like guys we've been knocking at your door we have been here yeah so obviously the the process had to start again and uh we were i remember also we were we were identified as well so we had to go back to italy now with the Houten delegates i don't know it was inter italy something so we were chosen to go there do yeah. you know we were the only ones that came back with the deal with the Italians? Wow. Well done. And I mean, I'm really they, so happy to hear that, you know, in terms of the progression and how far this idea, which has obviously had legs and had, has had, you know, it has had an impact in other places, which was not intended, you know, intended. It was not your of your dreaming, but it has actually had an impact. I mean, Brazil, Dubai, and all these other places. And even yeah. orchestrates and forced such partnerships which are needed. And it's amazing, actually, that you're talking about that in terms of, um, you know, the, the power of collaboration and partnership, you know. You, you know, Tim, um, I'm still a firm believer in what we do, right? So, fast track now, <laughs> we are getting into lockdown. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this gospel we have been preaching all these years, it's like, oh, we were not ready. Mm-hmm. And now everybody is turning to say, do you have a solution? And we said, we have had a solution for a very, very long time. Yeah. yeah. You told us we were futuristic. The market was not ready. I think if, if you think of it, and I think that's a challenge and the nature of, uh, you know, sometimes um, being ahead of the market or people thinking, uh, you know, success is outside there. It's not here. <laughs> or innovation <laughs> is outside there. It's not here. Uh, clever ideas is outside there, not here. Uh, yeah. Innovation doesn't look like me. It looks like something different because that's the messaging that I think has uh, flooded, you know, most of, uh, you know, what we consume and what we hear. We hear Silicon Valley. We hear yeah. all these places. And we think, you know, innovation is actually somewhere there. It's not something that is here. Yet, actually, the truth is innovation is something that, emerges from the situation where we are uh, if we have to apply fresh thinking to it. I don't know what your thoughts are in terms of this, um, you know, putting this together. Yeah, I get it to the great philosopher said it, that um, uh, necessity breeds invention. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's, it's Plato who said that. And I couldn't agree with you more, but you rightly, you, you are right in saying we didn't have, a re, we didn't do ecosystem readiness, right? So yeah. I'm asking you to completely disrupt everything that you do. 
You know, I'm asking you to say, change this completely. And it's very difficult to introduce change. And I'm learning that disruptive innovation is, is, is something that is attracts change resistance very quickly. So because when you bring things like that, they have a tendency to threaten certain processes. Yeah. Yes, which yes. Threaten, threaten jobs. So this thing that you are bringing is going to make my job redundant and I'm going to not allow it to come through. You understand? So, yeah. it's, it, so for me, it was just an opportunity to say, how do I then get the ecosystem ready? You know, so the approach is whilst we have this beautiful thing, now at least I have started educating around exactly where, exactly how, exactly what what will it take for us to be able to pro- to solve our problems, especially from a waste management pers- perspective, looking at issues around profit, looking at issues around our social compact and constructs, and obviously our environmental conservation. Those things, those three things are key. So if if today you cannot design a module that looks at this, so what we did is that once you are thinking technology takes away jobs, we are coming with a module that matches jobs with technology. Yeah. So we yeah. are not late. We are saying, why? Look, this dustbin is going to take away two jobs. How are we going to make sure that those two jobs, then we redirect the skill? What is it that we need from this person to be able to still sustain? Let me make yeah. an example. Yeah. A truck comes here on a Wednesday to collect, right? Yeah. There's two guys running ahead of the truck to put together the bins, right? The yeah. truck comes, offload, offload, offload into the truck. Look at this. Yeah. And then they run, these guys, they run, they run, they run. All they do is that, you understand? Yeah. But because it's a job, you understand, it's like, I'm going to yeah. do it. Then at a certain point, that compact, that compactor behind the truck becomes full. Then they pause. Then that truck must go to the transfer station to uh, offload and then come back and continue. So the cycle goes like that, right? And then we yeah. come and we say, four tricycles of tricks replaces one truck. So you've got four people who are no longer running. You've got mm-hmm. people who are saying, today we are coming. So we started showing that we are not losing any jobs. Instead, yeah. we are cutting down your costs because you are no longer collecting on frequency. You are collecting on corn. All these four people have their own little tricycles where they are collecting separated wasted sauce. You have a transfer station that compacts on site using solar so you don't need any electricity. When that thing is off, you send a signal. A truck comes to collect it into a digitized uh, uh, transfer station. So there's always momentum. There's always movement. What are the solar power tricycles? your emissions are reduced. So we started showing environmental benefits, creation of employment, and reduced cost of waste management for municipalities. What is difficult with that? I've just simplified it for you. Yeah, and also I I really like that because you're also embedding dignity into... Because instead of something, you know, a father to somebody and all that, you know, they now have... You know, this autonomy is almost like what Uber did. Uh, I mean, yeah, the intent. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, when, yeah. 
when Uber came, I said, but why aren't people dating us? Because this is exactly what we are trying to <laughs> Uberize this waste thing. I'm like, yeah, Uberizing waste, you know? That's actually, yeah, wow, brilliant. So, um, and now we are busy. We will be launching our first mobile app, by the way, um, the Separation at Source app, because we realized that what we have found ourselves, right, at is yeah. that you need to even digitize your waste management process. It cannot afford to be conventional anymore. Yeah. You understand? And imagine, Tim, a South African black female-owned entity launching the first separation access app. Do you know how well, it will not only help South Africa? It will pioneer Africa as a whole. Because the benefits that are derived from the module, from the module around the separation at source looked at every aspect of our economy. I once said to somebody, waste forms part of the investment profile of yeah. any country. So if I yeah. have to attract investment into this country, I must do my part to ensure that when these people get here, they see that, you know what, this, this country is on point when it comes to their waste management. And that is so, basically what is our ambition and vision with, with Pride in, in, in this whole process. So, so I'm going to ask you maybe just to, as we wrap up, um, what's your ideal dream in terms of how this should play out? Uh, you know, for example, if you use South Africa as an example, what do you want to see, you know, in, a, in an ideal set, you know, uh, in, in, in this space? Because, I mean, you've, you've really labored a lot, you know, to bring these innovations. You've lobbied. You've positioned, you've spent time thinking. What's that perfect picture if you, if you are to cast that and say, this is actually the vision, this is how I see it. And this is, you know, what we, you know, hoping and people should kind of be excited about. Cause I think you really have something that is compelling that just needs to get to everybody. Wow. <laughs> oh, I can, I can write a story. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, so just give us like a nice, you know, beautiful, you know, <laughs> utopian or whatever it is. I don't think it's utopian because it's you guys dreaming it and you've made it happen. So I, I think my dream I want for our country to, you know, we we, we always pride ourselves as the the first, you know, in 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 Africa we are the first, you know, and I think I I plug into that um into that ideal. In a sense, to say, I want our country to be one of the cleanest countries in Africa. I want our our country to show that sustainable innovation within the context of the 17 sustainable development goals is achievable and doable. That we should be the one to pioneer. You understand? And I also want ultimately, ultimately to show that Waste management has, has shifted in paradigms. It is no longer a sector, it is an industry that has the capability of boosting the GDP of the country. You understand? So how the innovation, the research, the development around that, we have it, Tim. How do we then convert it into something of value, an industry that creates jobs, dignified jobs as that, challenging the, 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 the waste hierarchy itself. Because let me tell you something. Do you know in South Africa, waste management is a 17 billion rand industry. Wow. Does that How is it distributed? So whilst we are 
faced with all these waste management challenges, then you must start asking those difficult questions. Where does the investment go? Yeah. You so for me, I just want people or I just want leadership to understand and get to know that, you know what, if I'm the, I'm a 17 billion rand sector, I'm no longer just a sector. I play mm. a significant role. So I'm an industry. Because we are changing how we see and perceive waste. You've seen it, waste to trash. How is that done? You know, it's comfort. You know, Tim, what hurts me the most is that it is okay for my brother to wake up at four and go and scrap in, in, in rubbish bins to go and get five friends at the end of the week for something that is of no value. Just yeah. to put bread on the table. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, I've always talked about the dignity of architecture. I mean, the architecture of dignity. And I think you've, 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 you guys are very passionate about that in your business model. Exactly. And that is why we are saying, once you can start looking at, you know, you know, people who are your financiers, they always say, what is the bottom line? Yeah. Make you, let's talk about the bottom line in the context of what it is that we are getting. You know, I'm talking to this municipality right now, and the only way that they could they could actually respond to me, I said, I can show them how to increase your revenue with this module. Everybody paid attention to their hands. <laughs> yep. Bottom line, we care about the money. <laughs> you understand? And once I started opening it up into how that will be done, I told them it's not going to be done by the waste department of a municipality on its own. You need finance, you need uh, uh, ICT, you need so you need to understand that <clears throat> even even within your own value chain as a municipality, for you to achieve to achieve significant reduction <coughs> of you have to come together. Come together, you know, because it's one thing to take the head of strategy to go and write a, a, a sustainable cities report without even speaking to waste. You understand? Then you ask them, and then, you know me, I read, ne? then I go there and stand and present and say, according to your strategy, this is what, and people are like, what strategy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. that's what I'm trying. But also, Tim, what I've also learned is that when we were launching this thing, we were talking uh, over people's heads. You understand? For a person who's going to work at the municipality in the waste department, his or her own objective was to make sure that waste is collected, is disposed of sustainably. You understand? Beyond yeah. that, don't tell me policies and everything. This is what, and I'm, 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 I'm also appealing that, you know, there should be an investment in educating and upskilling, you know, our officials and our secretaries. Especially around Especially the waste uh, 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 sector, you know those skills need to be developed and need to be developed aggressively and quickly. Then we will be able to go somewhere. Yeah, no, I like that because I think everything else fails if you don't sort out the human aspect, as we said. Because yeah, <laughs> I think everything else will just be, you know, it's it's quite hinged on, almost on that one uh, pillar, you know, adoption, change management, that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly, and now. Tim, lastly, so yeah. we are transitioning to this digital, uh, uh, fast track digital era. Whether you, you like to turn your head or no, it's coming and it is here. 
So sooner or later, you have to face the fact, how does it affect me personally? How does it affect my job? Look at what the lockdown mm-hmm. did to cops. I'm actually happy you're talking about that because I was going to ask you anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, look at how people, they are telling people, actually, you know, if we can work like this, you have become redundant, you work from home. Property is starting to be questioned, the relevance, that if uh, if we can virtual, you understand, is, is there, yeah. you know, how, what is it, how is it now we can move forward? You understand? Because yeah. the fourth industrial revolution is here. We yeah. are now talking 5G, it's impact. You, you know, there is a whole lot that is happening. And if you are not agile enough, you will drown in, in I mean, from, I'm talking from a personal perspective and a, and a professional perspective. Yeah. One guy said to me, there are, there are teachers who have, whose degrees now have become redundant. True. There are True. professions where we will not even encourage our kids to say no. But there, are, there is a new set of skills that is required. How do we reskill? How do we upskill? And how do we skill for the future? Yep. Those are the big questions. Those are you the understand? big questions. Yeah. That is yeah. why I'm saying that the investment in the sector itself, especially around education, awareness, training is critical and how you deliver that so that it shows in impact can yeah. can never be overemphasized, Tim. So for me, that is if I was I was to be given a post to say lead this uh, uh, waste department, those are the three key things I would look. At. You know, like I would look at those things critically because I think they are critical in driving and upping service delivery around that. We need to improve improve on service delivery. Yeah, and update yeah. it for what it is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I think you've shared some really, really great insights. Um, yeah, and that's why I said you're a conceptual genius. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, for those who are listening out there, I mean, this has been a really incisive uh, discussion on environment, mm. um, triple bottom line, uh, <laughs> sustainable innovation, all these beautiful, great concepts, digitization. And obviously how technology um, comes into play and how we can leverage that um, as well as, uh, you know, change and just making sure that we embed this and really uh, make sure that people are on board and fully on board. And uh, because it's, 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 and I think this is probably among the big issues and that's why it's part of the, you know, uh, the sustainable uh, goals, you know, it's one of those big ones. And I think, Definitely, you've provided some really great insights for people who are interested in that area and people who are keen to skill themselves up or learn. Uh, personally, I think I've really, really benefited not only from this discussion, but also just uh, the interactions and what you guys have really put together. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll link those ones and make available additional information because, again, I don't think it's a topic that could be exhausted in one sitting. Um, I think in terms of just really because this, this thought leadership there's the concepts that you guys have worked on, these products and services that you've made available. There's, mm. you know, um, a, a certain momentum and a certain um, positioning that you have already, you have underway. And I think those are the things that we'll probably provide a link to so that people who want to connect further and know about that can actually, um, you know, be helped.
I would like to ask two favors of you as a listener of the Timitude podcast. One is to share this with someone who you know would benefit from as we seek to bring out the best inspirational content featuring thinkers, dreamers, makers, movers, and trailblazers. The second request is for you to kindly leave us a rating in whichever platform you're listening to. We are available on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and also recently on YouTube. Also, don't forget to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We can connect on at Timitude on Twitter and Timitude on YouTube and on Timitude.com. Once again, thank you for being part of the Timitude community.